One of the most iconic landmarks in the state of California, easily one of the most recognizable, is the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a suspension bridge that spans the one-mile-wide strait that connects the San Francisco Bay and the Pacific Ocean. The bridge connects the northern tip of the San Francisco Peninsula to Marin County and carries both U.S. Routes 101 and California State Route 1 across the strait. Considered by many to be one of the modern wonders of the world, it is one of the most beautiful and photographed bridges in the world. When it opened in 1937, it was both the longest and the tallest suspension bridge in the world. But today, it is neither the longest nor the tallest, but it is still the tallest bridge in the United States. Today, I'm not going to talk to you about the most famous bridge in California. I have a story about another bridge I wanted to share with you. The Colorado Street Bridge, located in Pasadena, California, that spans the Arroyo Seco, which means dry stream in Spanish. It's a 24.9 mile or 40.1 kilometer seasonal river, canyon, watershed, and cultural area in Los Angeles County. This area was explored by Gaspar de Portola, who gave the stream its name, as this canyon had the very least water of any ever seen before. Portola was a soldier from Spain and administrator in New Spain, the colonial territory of the Spanish Empire in the New World, north of the Isthmus of Panama. He was a commander of the Spanish colonization expedition on land and sea that had established San Diego and Monterey. He expanded New Spain's Las Californias province far to the north from its beginnings on the Baja California Peninsula. Portola's expedition was one of the first to see the San Francisco Bay, and it gave names to the geographic features along the way, many of which are still in use to this day, including the Aurora Seco. The Colorado Street Bridge was designed by the firm of Waddell and Harrington, based in Kansas City, Missouri. The engineering company designed bridges from 1907 to 1915. They designed more than 30 vertical lift bridges for highways and railroads, including the one we are discussing today. It was built in 1912 at a total cost of $191,000, which is approximately $4 million $666,492 in today's money. The bridge carries Colorado Boulevard traffic, back then called Colorado Street, a major east-west thoroughfare that connects Pasadena to Eagle Rock and Glendale to the west, with Monrovia to the east. This bridge replaced a small Scoville Bridge located at the bottom of the Arroyo Seco. The original Scoville Bridge and Dam was built at the Arroyo Seco by the Scoville family to provide irrigation for orange groves in San Rafael. They were built between 1897 and 1903. The bridge was destroyed by flooding and replaced by the Colorado Street Bridge, which opened on December 13, 1913. Remnants of the old bridge can still be found at the bottom of the Arroyo Seco. The Colorado Street Bridge spans 1,486 feet 
or 453 meters, and is at a maximum height of 150 feet or 45 meters. It is notable for its distinctive Beaux Arts arches, a neoclassical architectural style taught in Paris, a style that had heavily influenced the architecture of the United States from 1880 to 1920. The bridge is on the National Register of Historic Places and has been designated a National Historic Civil Engineering Landmark by the American Society of Civil Engineers. In 1989, following the Loma Prieta earthquake in Northern California, the bridge was declared a seismic hazard and was closed to through traffic. Now, you might be wondering why a Northern California quake brought about the closure of a Southern California bridge. The reason is because of the tremendous structural damage the Loma Prieta quake caused to bridges and roadways throughout the areas that it ravaged. The Loma Prieta quake occurred on October 17, 1989, at 5.04 p.m. Pacific Time, right on the onset of what should have been rush hour. I'll explain more in a minute. The quake was centered in the forest of Nicene Marks State Park, approximately 10 miles or 16 kilometers northeast of the Santa Cruz section of the San Andreas Fault System, the major fault line that cuts through California. The 6.9-magnitude earthquake resulted in 63 deaths, 3,757 injuries, a large number of ground failures, landslides, a non-destructive tsunami near the shore of Monterey Bay, and catastrophic structure failures. The site of the largest number of fatalities was the collapse of a section of the double-decker Nimitz Freeway in the city of Oakland. However, the collapse of man-made structures and other related accidents contributed to casualties occurring in San Francisco, Los Altos, and Santa Cruz. Due to the fact that the 1989 World Series Game 3 between the Oakland A's and the San Francisco Giants was scheduled to begin at 5.35 p.m. that afternoon, traffic was lighter than usual. Incidentally, the Loma Prieta quake became the first major earthquake in the United States to have been broadcasted live on national television because of the World Series taking place in the affected area. So, because of the catastrophic failures of the double-decker freeway, as well as many, many aging and unstable structures throughout the state, many were closed until they were upgraded and retrofitted to withstand large magnitude quakes, and the Colorado Street Bridge was one of them. The bridge reopened in 1993 after a substantial retrofit. It's closed every summer for a festival called a celebration on the Colorado Street Bridge, an event that is hosted by the historic preservation group Pasadena Heritage. The Colorado Street Bridge curves over the riverbed, which gives the bridge a rather unique viewpoint as you drive over it. With its lamps that are located along the bridge at regular intervals, it gives you a very old-fashioned kind of a charm with somewhat of a romantic feel, especially when you gaze upon it from afar. But there is more to know about the Colorado State Bridge. It has a darker history as well. This bridge, it has a nickname, the Suicide Bridge, a name it acquired in 1933. The bridge has seen over a 100 people take their own lives, plummeting from it 150 feet 
or 45 meters to the ground below. The first suicide happened on November 16, 1919, and after that, the number of suicides spiked during the Great Depression from 1933 to 1937, with nearly 50 suicides having been reported during that time, which is when it gained its infamous nickname. But the bridge's dark reputation began before it was even built. Legend has it that one of its construction workers toppled over the bridge, falling to his death and landing in the wet concrete below. He was left to die in the quick drying cement, his body becoming fused with the foundation of the bridge, entombed forever. It's believed he is still there to this day. Many also believe that this construction worker is the reason why the bridge has claimed so many lives ever since. Because, you see, when you have a place such as this, the Colorado Street Bridge, where a life was lost and left behind in such an unceremonious way, it is believed that he has remained there, haunting the bridge, calling out to distressed individuals who may have come there contemplating ending their own lives, and he urges them to make that jump. And they listen. This construction worker is not the only spirit said to be haunting this bridge. Some have reported seeing a man with wire-rimmed glasses, as well as a vanishing woman in a long flowing robe. She has been seen quite often standing atop of the bridge fortifications and then suddenly vanishing when she throws herself off. And there are stories of spirits seen below the bridge as well, walking along the riverbed. And during the night, strange sounds and screams and cries have been heard echoing through the canyon. Mysterious human-like forms have been reported, and some who have walked their dogs nearby have said their animals begin behaving in inexplicably strange ways when they're in the area. The bridge is a regular place for the homeless to set up camp, and many of them have been spooked by ghostly figures and mysterious noises, causing many of them to pick up and find somewhere else to be. There is one spirit that has been seen and heard. He walks aimlessly under the bridge, whispering, her fault to anyone who comes across him. Yet nobody knows who or what he's talking about. So let me tell you the tale of Myrtle Ward. She was a young, very beautiful, yet troubled woman. In 1937, at the age of 22, she became despondent over losing her job at a downtown Los Angeles cafeteria. With the Great Depression several years in by this time, the outlook was bleak for her, for her family, and for the world, it seemed. Her husband was a sporadically employed musician. He had joined the Federal Works Progress Administration in order to supplement his income from his on-again, off-again, one-night gigs. So, he wasn't home the morning of May 1st, 1937, when Myrtle had reached her breaking point. 
she had had enough. She took their daughter, three-year-old Jean, on a drive from their home on Van Horn Avenue in the El Sereno district of Los Angeles to nearby Pasadena. She parked her car nearby the beautiful Colorado Street Bridge. At the time, this concrete arch had been described as the longest, highest bridge in the Southwest, a marvel of modern engineering. Just before 9 a.m., walking west, the morning sun behind her, she went with her daughter, approximately 100 feet or 30 and a half meters, to an alcove where there was a seat made of granite. Two people noticed Myrtle and her little daughter, Jean. They knew almost immediately what her intentions were. They began to scream at her, pleading with her not to do it. Impervious to the screaming, Myrtle picked Jean up and tossed the little girl over the side of the bridge. A few seconds later, Myrtle joined her daughter, throwing herself over the side of the Colorado Street Bridge, plummeting to the bottom of the Royal Seco. Myrtle died of her injuries two hours later at Pasadena's Huntington Memorial Hospital. But miraculously, three-year-old Jean survived. The branches and limbs of a tree next to the bridge slowed her fall enough to save her from dying upon impact with the ground. The two witnesses who had tried to stop Myrtle rushed down to the bottom of the dry riverbed. They found Jean and she had an identification note pinned to her coat. She was dazed, but still made her way to her hands and knees, about eight feet away from her mother. She was crying for her as she attempted to crawl to her mother's side. Jean survived and is the only one ever to have gone over the edge of the Colorado Street Bridge and to do so, which is why legend has it that Myrtle's spirit continues to haunt the dry riverbed in an eternal search for her daughter. Myrtle was not the only one filled with hopelessness during the time of the Great Depression that was drawn to the Colorado Street Bridge. Nine people jumped to their deaths from it in 1933, 10 in 1934, 12 in 1935, 9 in 1936, and 10 in 1937, including Myrtle. Two months after Myrtle's jump, the Crown City Fence Company erected a seven and a half foot wire mesh barrier topped with barbed wire at a cost of $7,500. It wouldn't be until another two years later that there was another suicide at the Colorado Street Bridge. And never again would there be so many suicides in a single year. The citizens of Pasadena were so pleased with the fence and how it had prevented so many suicides from happening at their landmark bridge that on the first anniversary of Myrtle Ward's death, a troop of actors gathered on the bridge to reenact the scene, without the fall of course, wanting to bring attention to the effectiveness of the fence in saving lives. Although the fence can be scaled by a person determined to get over it, just the presence of it has undoubtedly saved lives. By minimizing the urgency and the spontaneity for those who go there for the intentions of ending their lives, 
but nothing is foolproof. Five more people jumped from the Colorado Street Bridge during World War II. And ever since then, there has been a suicide every few years, but nothing close to the likes of those years during the Great Depression. Even after the bridge was closed at the end of 1990, following the Loma Prieta earthquake I talked about towards the beginning of the story, there was a woman, Deborah Klaus of Anaheim, California, despondent over the end of her marriage and financial woes. She plummeted from the bridge during the time the bridge was undergoing repairs and was not open to through traffic. The bridge reopened in 1993 after a $27.3 million facelift and earthquake retrofitting. It was made pedestrian and bicycle friendly with benches recessed into the walls and those old fashioned light posts with hanging globes. And of course, the entire stretch of bridge is lined with spiked iron railing to deter potential jumpers. Since then, there have still been people who come to the bridge to end their lives. One of the most notable in recent years occurred in January of 2008. A man named Walter Garcia stabbed his longtime girlfriend and mother of his six-year-old, 35-year-old Demarius Quiles, and her mother, 73-year-old Carmen Quiles, outside their home in Tahunga, California. He then drove to the Colorado Street Bridge and jumped to his death. Their relationship had grown rocky in the months leading up to the double murder, and she ended up asking him to leave the home. He began making threats, so she obtained a restraining order, but obviously it didn't do any good. Shortly after Damaris dropped her son off at school, she had come home to find Garcia had broken in through a back window. A fight ensued, and when it spilled out into the streets, concerned neighbors called police. But by the time they arrived, Garcia was gone, and both women had been mortally wounded. Carmen was declared dead at the scene. Damaris was taken to Providence Holy Cross Medical Center, where she died a short time later. Fearing that Garcia may attempt to abduct his son, his elementary school was placed on lockdown. But Garcia, he didn't go to the school. He went to the suicide bridge. Police received a call a short time after the stabbing that a man was poised to jump from the bridge. Upon arriving, an officer attempted to talk Garcia down, but he leapt to his death. What's been recently troubling is that there was a sudden spike of suicides in 2017, six of them from March through July. March 3rd, a 27-year-old woman. April 15th, a 38-year-old man. June 2nd, a 33-year-old woman. June 23rd, a 16-year-old girl. June 28th, a 65-year-old man and July 2nd, a 27-year-old man. This recent string of suicides has definitely opened up the conversation about not only how to prevent despondent individuals from taking that leap, but in confronting the problem of suicide as a very serious social and mental health issue. Despite efforts to make the bridge difficult to jump from, it has not stopped people from heading to the bridge with the dark, morbid history. And as for Jean, the bridge's only known survivor, 
She attributed her survival to divine intervention. I was unable to find any articles regarding Jean after 2012, as she had done a couple of interviews about her survival. If she is still alive, she'd be about 84 years old now, but I could not find anything recent or an obituary. She continued to live in El Sereno with her husband, a retired postal worker with whom she had two daughters. Jean bore no psychological scars from being thrown from the Colorado Street Bridge. She said she'd never needed any counseling and really had very little memory of the event. She remembers her grandmother, her mom's mom, being upset and praying a lot. She had a vague recollection of her mother putting that coat around her and being in a hospital bed. Her dad lived until 1966 when he passed away of heart failure. He had remarried in 1944 and they never had children together. Jean's never felt any anger or animosity towards her mother and she doesn't blame her for what she had done, understanding that those times were overwhelming. She understood her mom lost hope and her faith was in God. And as for her mother wanting to attempt to kill her, Jean said, she didn't want to leave me. It wasn't rational, but she did it out of love. That's the way I see it. Whatever the situation someone is in, when it comes to someone who has been driven to the brink of wanting to end it all, they have three things in common. They're completely overwhelmed, angry, and desperate. They feel like they've come to a place where they want a permanent solution to their problems not really seeing or feeling that those problems are really temporary. And the Colorado Street Bridge still seems, every once in a while, sometimes more frequently than others, remains an irresistible attraction for troubled souls, a place where many have seen the spirits of troubled souls of the past who don't seem to ever want to leave the beautiful Arroyo Seco. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help immediately, or if you or someone you know is thinking about harming yourself or themselves or attempting suicide, please reach out to tell someone who can help you right away. You can call your doctor. You can call 911. You can go to the nearest emergency room. You can call the 24-hour hotline of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. You will be connected to a trained counselor at a suicide crisis center near you. Ask your family or your friends to make the call for you if you can't. Reach out to someone. And if I see you contemplating self-harm or suicide anywhere on social media, I will be calling your local police department. I've done it before, and I'll do it again. And as always, thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, sweet dreams.